And one of the little exercises I give them is what I call a non-criteria-based workout. So I say, okay, on a given day, set aside a morning or whatever it is, jump on your bike without a watch, without a route, without a destination, without a time frame, or without a heart rate in mind. Nothing. Go naked. Just go ride. Not literally naked, but get out there and just follow a new route and just go have some fun. And uh, for a lot of athletes that have been training purely by the science, that's a tough thing to do. Just go out and play. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan. You can reach me, John, at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Is it possible for exercise to be effortless? Discovered an amazing book called Effortless Exercise, a guide to fitness, flow states, and inner awareness by Grant Mullineaux. And once I read it, realized that there are amazing connections between the things that we do here at IndoorCycleInstructor.com, the concept of Indoor Cycling 2.0, and a couple of other things that we've talked about. But I'd like you to meet Grant. He's with me now from Calgary, Alberta. Did I get that right? Yeah, the great way north. <laughs> awesome. Grant, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Really look forward to getting into this because this is sort of a unique area and passion of mine. Well, no doubt. And uh, But first, so everybody understands that you're not, not just an author, but you're a, an endurance coach. Can you give everybody an understanding of your experience there? I first fell in love with marathon running back in the early 80s, and then I became a triathlete. And all through that period of time, uh, doing my degrees and working in the industry, I, uh, I did some coaching on the side. And then early 90s, decided to do it full-time. So I've been an endurance coach for about 20 years full-time now. So I work mainly with anybody who's doing long-distance events, longer than a few hours. So triathletes, runners, ultra-runners, ultra-swimmers. I've had some hikers, uh, you know, anybody that's involved in wanting to go along, basically. And you do this face-to-face? Yeah, yeah. My sort of practice is in the local area here of Calgary, and so a lot of one-on-one coaching. I've got group programs that I run. I run a cycling class every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock for a couple hours. So, yeah, I run a bunch of programs. Cycling class as in indoor on bicycles on trainers? You bet. They bring their bike. They bring the trainer, and I sort of bring the workout all based on their what I call effortless training zone, and we take them through a process. for. And the class is about two hours every Saturday morning. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the classic endurance class. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. But uh, with a little different twist. All right. Explain what you, you mean by the concept of effortless exercise. Well, I put those two words together in a sentence because it's an oxymoron. And when everybody reads that, they always kind of look at me funny. It's like the... Well, it got my attention the minute <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> it's the deer in the headlights sort of look. And it's, they kind of go, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, and it's sort of the state, and I'm sure everyone who has experienced this when they exercise, where they feel that time stands still. They're in the flow. Nothing hurts. They feel great. They want to keep going. It's that sort of runner's high experience that runners talk about. 
But on a bike, you get the same kind of experience when you're spinning down a road at a beautiful cadence with a tailwind and everything feels right and you just want to be in that groove forever. And that's the groove that I try to get people to get into every time that they exercise. And that's what this book is really about, is finding that zone. I call it the effortless training zone. Before we started, I, I told you that I have a similar concept and that we've discussed here before that I call JRA or just riding along. Mm-hmm. And it is exactly that same place where you're out on a beautiful day, you're on your bike, you're not in any hurry. And the next thing you know, it you've, you're t- 20 miles further and yet you don't remember any of it. Exactly. Yeah, you're just lost in it. And it, it, it becomes literally effortless. But that's a difficult place to get to for most people, isn't it? Well, it can be now because, I mean, as you and I know, because we're sort of veterans in this field and have been for a little while. Obviously, I've been around for about 35 years. I've seen a pendulum swing. Back in the days of the 50s and 60s, when Arthur Lydiard started his running club in New Zealand, he had the concept of base training. And he built the best running club on the planet and had the most Olympic medalists, the most world champions out of the little wee running club in New Zealand. And his concept was build your base first and then do a little bit of quality training second. And that whole, that led right into the whole long, slow distance training philosophies of the sixties and seventies and even into the eighties. And then the pendulum slowly started swinging. And now I see the pendulum sort of way over to the other side where we're basically focused just on quality training, high-intensity quality training. I mean, you see all of those programs on TV. You see that emphasis in spinning classes now and training and running programs that are, like, proliferated by, like, Runner's World. You see intervals and hills and all of that. The matas and, yeah. Exactly. Go hard, go home, no pain, no gain, all of that. And I think we've kind of lost sight of, the true essence or, 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 or I guess you could say um, sort of the need or the, the need for balance because we've sort of swung all the way over to quality and now I, I think people are getting injured at greater rates, people are burning out at greater rates, people are finding it frustrating at greater rates and we sort of lost sight of the, just the basics of you need a base to be an endurance athlete and a base comes from good aerobic function and a good aerobic function is built when you're not breathing hard when you're breathing really easy and you're just riding along as you would say we're kind of jumping ahead in your book as far as how it's laid out because all that intensity and and i would submit anxiety about making sure you're training the properly and blah 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 blah, and your heart rate monitors this and your powers this and everything else that goes along with it has a tendency to make working out work and it's not really fun as your book gets started here, your focus is more on developing motivation for wanting to exercise. Maybe I'm not explaining that, but you understand it, so explain it, please. It's getting in touch with what your passion is. I mean, when I first meet a person, I ask them a lot of questions around what do you really like to do? Because fitness can come in any form for anybody. And so it's about getting the should out of exercise and finding where your passions lie and following down that road. I mean, you may have liked to ride a bike as a kid, and that was your number one passion. And 
you've gotten away from that because you've heard trainers or other people say, well, you got to go lift weights and you got to go run and you got to go do this and you got to do, do that. And you've been trying to follow those things. Whereas really your number one passion is, hey, I just want to go ride my bike. That's where we get caught up, especially in this whole training paradigm nowadays when you've got a little computer device on your bike measuring 28 different variables. And next thing you know, you crash into the back of a van because you've been looking at your computer. Well, I think we've lost a little sight of the true sort of joy of exercise, which comes from just feeling the wind on your face. And uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing, really. And I try to find out from people what they really love to do. And I build their exercise programs around their passions first. And therefore, motivation is, is it's, it just becomes secondary because the motivation comes from within. It's intrinsic. And then they have no problem then going out day after day and just finding uh, the joy in their exercise because they're doing what they love to do. And so that's where you want to start is where your passion is. Exactly. And, and what you describe in your book is the element of play. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is really the definition of fun, right? Exactly. Because play isn't work. Yeah. Play isn't stressful. Play. There's no anxiety around play. Play is just play. And I think as adults, so many of us lose track of that. Oh, absolutely. I give. Oh, I, I get a lot of hardcore athletes, you know, people that want to train for Ironman, people that are interested in ultra training, whatever it is, but they're very hardcore. And one of the little exercises I give them is what I call a non-criteria-based workout. So I say, okay, on a given day, set aside a morning or whatever it is, jump on your bike without a watch, without a route, without a destination, without a time frame, or without a heart rate in mind. Nothing. Go naked. Just go ride. Not literally naked, but get out there and just follow a new route and just go have some fun. And uh, for a lot of athletes that have been training purely by the science, that's a tough thing to do. Just go out and play. Um, oftentimes in my swim club workout on Friday nights, I will get them playing games and they'll come away with bigger smiles on their face after that workout than any other workout I give them. So I do that on a regular basis. And that tends to rejuvenate them, I bet. No question. No question. And recreation is all about recreating that passion. And it's, so it is, it's literally getting to the core of movement. The core of why we love to move, and we know that movement enhances life. I mean, at the core of life is vibration. If you think about everything that we see in our environment and our, that, that's in front of us, it, everything is in vibration at some level. And when we vibrate our body at a higher level, we have more life. It's as simple as that. So when our heart rate goes up, our breathing rate goes up, and the cells start vibrating at a higher level, and they start processing energy, we are more alive. I mean, one of the acid tests, if you're dead, is you're not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, that's quite profound. And you're right. And yeah, and so many things happen when we exercise. We get, some of us, I do, get more creative. You know, everything is, uh, yeah. you're right, more alive. Yeah, the endorphins flow, blood gets flowing, the brain works better. I mean, we can go on and on. I mean, all of the scientific uh, variables have been documented about the benefits of exercise. There's no question. I mean, we get, we had a textbook full of that. Um, but basically what most people feel is they just feel more energy. They feel more alive. Their day goes better. Their moods are better. And, uh, and by moving our body, that's what we get. And I would make an argument that if we're too technical about things, we take the play out of the exercise and we turn it into work, then we're not deriving the full benefit from moving our body. Exactly. And as you say that, I can see 
uh, where oh Zumba is. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've got Zumba oh. in Calgary, but it's incredibly popular, and it's it's again I I because I unfortunately I have no coordination, so I'm afraid of those type of classes. But uh, they look like they're just having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a great way to move. Absolutely, combine music and movement, combine everything together, and yeah, it's 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 another expression of joy of movement, of joy of exercise, of being effortless. Because, I mean, you talk to a person after Zumba class, and they'll, they'll tell you, well, I mean, they, it just flowed by. The time just zipped by. Then time goes by fast when you're having fun. And so mm-hmm. you just sort of, there it goes. And so um, it's another one of those great ways to express that uh, sort of passion from within. And so I think um, we need to keep that beacon or that in mind overall when you look at training. Um, and so have the balance for sure. A little further into your book, you discuss the concept of effortless endurance. And, you know, can you define that for me first? Well, endurance, my definition of endurance is your body's ability to use fat as a substrate. And I don't know about you, but most of us have about 1,500 or 2,000 calories of sugar in our system that we can burn, and that's limited. That only lasts an hour or two. That's sort of a hard effort. Um, but I don't know about you. Most of us have 80 or 90 or 100 or more thousand calories of fat we're carrying around. Um, so literally an unlimited supply of energy. We can go days and days and days exercise if we're burning fat as a fuel, as a substrate. So my definition of endurance is our ability to access fat. And we can access fat unlimited, provided we exercise in an effortless way. If we train at a hard, high intensity, we're accessing sugar. So we're actually, in effect, limiting our body's ability to develop the quality of endurance. So if we want to develop the quality of endurance, we have to teach our body how to utilize fat while we're moving, while we're exercising. There's two ways to do that. One, exercise at an effortless intensity or an aerobic intensity. Scientifically, if you want to talk about it, exercise at an intensity below your lactate threshold, your aerobic threshold, your ventilatory threshold. Those three points are about all the same. Basically, exercise at an intensity where you can breathe through your nose, breathe, breathe comfortably. And that's on the exercise side. Then on the nutrition side, which we won't get into too much detail, but basically you don't want to eat very much sugar. Stay away from sugars in all forms and quantities. So if you're eating a diet that's more along the lines of some healthy fats and proteins with vegetables and a bit of fruits and stuff like that, then you're eating a diet that isn't high on sugar. So what you're doing is you're shutting down your body's preference to use sugar and you're turning up your body's preference to use fat. When you do that, you find over a period of time, you know, year, years of training kind of thing that you can exercise for hours without ever having to have a a bite to eat, and you're fine, you've got unlimited endurance. I went on a four-hour snowshoe last weekend, and I had a little bit of trail mix, and I felt fine. Like, uh, at the whole time, not a problem whatsoever. I had energy all the way, and at the end of the day, I had energy to clean the house and head out to a movie. So uh, when you develop your body's ability to burn fat, you develop true endurance. You're promoting what you call your effortless training zone. Mm-hmm. And, and again, what you're saying is right around that aerobic threshold – not anaerobic, but aerobic threshold, right? or the first ventil- ventilatory threshold that we've talked about that for a long time here. I, I've been advocating for years a, a more simple version of heart rate training zones 
and I was thinking three is good. You're telling me you only have one. Yeah, basically one uh, aerobic training zone. And then if you want, if you are racing distances that are relatively short, I call them like less than an hour or between an hour and two hours in length, then we may do some training at what I call your anticipated race pace, which may be 10 beats above your aerobic threshold, a little bit higher. But most of the bulk of the training I prescribe is in what I call your effortless training zone. And the top of that zone is defined as your ventilatory threshold. The easy way, if you don't have a heart rate monitor and you haven't been tested, you haven't been able to get to a lab or have someone prick your finger and do a lactate threshold test, the easy way is just to go by your breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're breathing very comfortable, you could breathe through your nose. I teach all my athletes to breathe through their nose when they train, except for swimming. It doesn't work there, so don't try it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But I get them to breathe through their nose when they train. And when you can't breathe through your nose, you start to huff and puff, even mildly huff and puff. Then you're getting out of your aerobic training zone. So you just need to back the pace off slightly so the breathing becomes comfortable again. Now, I I can't remember if this is part of the recording or you and I had a bit of a conversation ahead of time. But you talked about having a two-hour endurance class that you teach, bikes Mm -hmm. on trainers. Can you give me an understanding of how you structure that? Well, it's real simple. There's a half-hour warm-up. And there's a half hour cool down at either end. So it's progressive. It's slow. Generally, the warm up, they start at a low cadence, like 60. And I have them build their cadence up to around 90 over the first 15 minutes. And then I have them slowly raise their heart rate into their effortless training zone. And everybody who comes to my class has been tested. They've had a lactate threshold test. So they know what their the top number of their effortless training zone is. The bottom, I usually set about 20 beats below. And then for the hour in the middle, and then the cool down is the reverse of the warm-up. Same kind of thing. You just decrease your intensity, and then you end up just riding at a low cadence near the very end, get your heart rate below 100, and just sort of ride real easy at the very end. Um, And I'll tell you about the recovery protocol in a minute. But in the middle section, I base all of the training on your effortless training zone. And occasionally we'll go over it a little bit with a few standing intervals, um, but I would say 90% of that hour is all types of various intervals of different kinds with different cadences, um, standing, sitting, all that kind of stuff. But it's all done in your effortless training zone. So it's not high intensity intervals. So you finish the two hours relatively fresh. You feel pretty good uh, at the end of the day. And then at the end of the whole class, I have them follow a very fairly not strict, but I have them follow recovery protocol. And this is the fun part of my workouts is I bring the chocolate milk. So they get to drink my chocolate milk at the end and they elevate their legs to drain their legs to get the fluids out of their legs. And I try to get them to ice their legs when they get home. So they follow a little bit of a recovery protocol so that the legs recover really quickly after. Even though you're not working them very hard at all. Right. Absolutely. So literally recovery from this workout is, is, in, in no time whatsoever. I mean, they recover very quick because there's no recovery needed because you're not tapping into your reserves, your training in the effortless training. So when you're training aerobically, your body's in homeostasis. It's imbalanced. All of the enzymes are processing all of the foodstuffs and you're creating carbon dioxide and water at the end of the Krebs cycle. So everything's in balance when you're aerobic. So at the end of the day, you don't need recovery. You may have depleted your carbohydrate stores by 10%, which is really nothing. Have a little bit of chocolate milk, elevate, nice your legs afterwards, and you're literally recovered. By mid-afternoon, you feel like you haven't really done a workout, which is the idea of training because now what you're doing is you're actually building your health at the same time you're building your fitness. Because most fitness programs, 
work on the assumption that exercise is stress. And the greater the stress, the greater the response we're going to get. But the greater the stress, the greater the downside, the recovery. And if you don't hit it just right, you can have stress for days on end. I mean, a person's resting heart rate could be elevated for three days after a hard workout. And that is stressful. Their immune system's compromised for those three days. They feel tired. They feel fatigued. They feel sore. They feel stiff. They feel sluggish. They feel moody. Your body is just trying to get itself back to normal in those three days after a really hard workout. And that's extremely stressful on the body. And, but in my classes, that doesn't happen. You're training aerobically. You feel great within an hour. Okay, but so if you don't have all those negative feelings, you must not have done anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you realize after a year of training this way that you could do a four-hour snowshoe or a five-hour bike ride and come back and feel great and your buddies are all dying on the side of the road. The other thing that happens in training this way, and this is one measure that I, for all the scientists out there that I have all my athletes do, is I have them measure their wattage at their effortless training zone. That was going to be my next question. Keep going. Right. Thank you. So let's say you've never trained aerobically this way. And on day one, you ride 100 watts and your heart rate's 140. And that's your aerobic training heart rate. Well, you train this way for a good chunk of time. Uh, and you need time to train. You need two to six months at least to start to see some good responses. Well, you'll see that wattage creep upwards. So that by, say, month six, you may be pushing 130 watts or 135 watts at the exact same heart rate, 140. So now your body's aerobic system can perform that 30-some percent better at that heart rate. But the interesting thing that happens is that when you crank it up even higher, you, the aerobic system participates more. So in other words, when you race faster, your aerobic system um, takes over more than the anaerobic system. So you actually experience a faster race pace with less stress. And that's the concept of building a base of endurance training because you want to get faster at a lower heart rate. That's the key to endurance, not faster at a higher heart rate, faster at a lower because you're teaching your body to get more efficient with less effort. And that's the whole concept of effortless exercise, to be really efficient at a very low heart rate. I mean, I have one ultra runner that I've trained for a number of years here, won two local ultra races here, who can actually go out and run with most people at about a nine to 10 minute mile, and his heart rate does not crack 100. You're kidding. Not kidding. He runs with me, and I run a 10 minute mile. I'm not a runner. I don't run much. I jog along, and I'm running along, and I say, what's your heart rate? And he looks at me and goes, Greg, you don't want to know. And I say, well, what the heck's your heart rate? He says, uh, 89, 92. <laughs> when I get him up to his aerobic tested heart rate, which for him is right around 145, 46, and I've tested him on a track, we've done lactate threshold test a number of times, he's running a six-minute mile, just under a six-minute mile, 555 mile at that aerobic heart rate. He won his last ultra by an hour and 45 minutes, and he spent the whole ultra running 16 hours and five minutes, 147-kilometer trail run, which is a little run. Um, mm. won, it by <laughs> no an, kidding. won it by an hour and 45 minutes and finished it and was out for a jog the next day. He kept running the next day and ran the next day, and he felt fine because 99% of that ultra run he did was all in his aerobic zone. He was so efficient aerobically. 
Whereas a lot of the other participants were trained in that actual race itself, going up and down hills, were driving their heart rates really high and low and high and low. And so they finished exhausted. He wasn't exhausted. He was very tired, finished, but he felt pretty good the next day, went for a little run the next day and kept running the rest of the week. So um, that's, that's an example of an athlete that has really developed his aerobic effortless training. And obviously he spends a lot of time every week training and he's in his early thirties. So he has a fairly young body to deal with and he does a lot of training. So he's gotten a big aerobic response, but that's the concept of effortless exercise actually right in, in play. And, and it, it resulted for him in a, in a nice victory and by a pretty big margin. Awesome. All right. So, well, uh, let's, I'd be curious to know how you would suggest, you know, as indoor cycling instructors, we teach in a confined environment as far as time. Right. You know, we have, we have a 45 minute slot or a one hour slot. Some of us have you know 90 minute endurance classes, but how can, or is it possible to, to bring some of these concepts into that, that's sh- that, sh- that short window of time? There's a number of things you can do, but you're absolutely right. Um, there's an expectation from someone signing up for a class like that, that, that they're going to work hard, that this is what this purpose of this class is. And when I run my bike classes, I have to do a lot of education around the fact that, no, that's not what my class is. So, so how do you bring that into you, that environment is a difficult task to do, but it can be done. You can lengthen warm-ups a little bit. You can lengthen cooldowns a little bit. You can educate people on their recovery intervals and their keeping their heart rates aerobic. You can educate people on their breathing. You can minimize or shorten the high intensity stuff a little bit because you really don't need a lot of that stuff. You need a little bit, but not a lot. You just need enough to stimulate the body to get stronger. You don't need to kill the body. You just need to give enough to do that. And then the other thing I guess you could say in your classes is, is you can educate people to have a balance overall in their training to sort of educate them that, hey, it's okay on a Saturday to get outside and go for your, just go for a ride ride. Um, you know, it's okay to do some base training around your high intensity because actually that base training is going to help for the recovery from all of those harder efforts. The better your aerobic system, the faster your recovery. So if you've got a really well-developed aerobic system, the recovery from the anaerobic work is going to be way quicker. And so you're going to be able to do a little bit more of that. And so you're going to be able to develop both systems. So I think there's a lot of education that can be done. We can sort of bring the balance back into the equation. I mean, my athletes always ask me, well, how much of that stuff do I need? And I always relate it to the distance that they're training for. And if they're training for an event more than three hours in length, I always try to limit them to one hard session a week. Okay, we'll work hard once a week. The rest of the week, we're going to build your base. We're going to work on the aerobic engine because when you look at just the textbooks, like McArdle Catch and Catch, which is the textbook of work physiology for almost every first-year class in kinesiology in North America, I mean, an event longer than two hours relies 98% on your aerobic energy system and only 2% on your anaerobic energy system. So if you're training for an event longer than two hours, that should be sort of the balance of your training. So if you're training 10 hours a week, spend 20 minutes going hard and nine hours and 40 minutes training your aerobic system. And that should be sort of the balance kind of thing. So I think a little bit of education would would help. I mean, I guess the thing that that 
I have a little bit of trouble with is when participants tend to take three or four or five spin classes, high intensity, really hard, aggressive spin classes in a week, because that is a bit of a recipe for disaster in the long term. You're only going to last that through that for three, four, five weeks or whatever, or boot camp, the classic boot camp person signs up for boot camp and you get 20 participants at the beginning. And the average boot camp has about three or four or five of them left at the end of boot camp. So, mm-hmm. so there were 15 people that had a negative experience in one way or another. They got injured or fatigued or burnt out or just couldn't keep up. It's just getting that balance back, I think, is the big key. And I think we can educate. I think we can do a lot of that. And in a 45-minute exercise session, you can really get a great aerobic workout. I've gone out for many 20, 30-minute workouts. I have my little 25-minute special that I spin on my mountain bike down in the woods just outside my door here. And when I got a little bit of time, I just jump on my mountain bike and I crack 100 on my heart rate monitor and I come back. And that's my 20-minute special. And it makes me feel great for the rest of the day. Your two-hour class. One problem that that I have, you know, the thousands of listeners that we have all have in this situation is keeping uh, maybe control isn't yeah control of the class and or keeping them entertained. Do you have any prescription for those scenarios? Well, um, I know what I do. I mean, one of the things I do is I just, I have them move around in their effortless training. So I use a PowerPoint presentation and I have them move around and do a variety of little drills um, in their aerobic training zone. And I keep the intervals relatively short, one minute, two minutes, three minutes, maybe half a minute, whatever. I just bop them around a lot. So it keeps their mind working, get them doing pyramids, get them doing ladders, all different sorts of workouts. I'm sure all of your listeners are experts at doing that. You'd be able to do that kind of thing. So there's one thing you can do to keep the time flowing by quickly. Um, I get them playing games sometimes. I get them each person throwing out an idea for the next set. I get them doing things like that. Another thing that I do is I will do education during the class. So I do a lot of speaking around sort of the Calgary area and I got a number of PowerPoint presentations and in So when they're doing like sometimes I'll get them do a 15-minute aerobic set, just a real easy spin, just keep it in a gear. Um, And I will, you know, present three or four slides just to educate them, physiological education, just while they're actually riding so that they're actually listening and getting some education out of the class at the same time they're riding. So it's like ride and learn. You could call it that. Mm -hmm. So. So those are some of the things that I use. I'm sure some of your instructors also use things like they have the real-time rides and they have, you know, you're riding Alpe d'Huez on the big screen and everybody can ride against one another. I'm sure there's little competitive games you can do like that. One of the things that if you do that, one of the games I have for all of my athletes is I have them play a game, how low a heart rate can you ride up a hill? And so I change the focus of riding up a hill to how fast you're riding up the hill to how low a heart rate can you keep up a hill. And so then how, then how do you identify the, the effort level? I let them, I let the effort level is easy. The effort level is obviously in their effortless training zone. So the, they're going up a hill and the wattage, they're trying to keep a wattage fairly high, but they're trying to keep their heart rate fairly low. So the objective to get up the hill is to be able to keep their heart rate as low as possible going up a hill. Okay. All right. But flipping it on its head, you, you really need the buy-in of your participants early. Yeah, it's, 
the education piece has definitely got to be there. You have to educate people on the body and how the body works and how you have the two engines, your sugar burning engine, and your fat burning engine, you have your anaerobic, your aerobic engine, and you got to train both. You can't just train one. So you got to have that education there and keep it fairly simple for people that they can understand that, that by training, when you train the aerobic system, you don't hurt. Training the aerobic system is effortless. Whereas training the anaerobic system on the flip side does hurt a bit. You got to work hard. So that piece of education, you, you definitely have to have that piece there. Otherwise, most people just think of it with very simple logic. The harder I work, the better I'm going to get. And that's sort of the very simple logic people have in their head. And what we're trying to educate people on is that training aerobically isn't about how hard you work. It's about actually how much you work. It's about the volume you put in aerobically. And that's what stimulates the aerobic system is volume, not intensity. Touche. And yet we have an enormous problem um, with all the alternative forms of media education um dare i say conspiring against us <laughs> well, well absolutely we want, always want more for less i mean everybody wants the 10 minute exercise solution three days a week <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i'll get super fit on 10 minutes three times a week well that's true you'll build a high level of anaerobic fitness in a short period of time that won't be sustainable and you won't have an aerobic base because the fundamentals of the body are still the same. We're, we're fundamentally built as an endurance animal. We're built to go all day long, to use our red, slow-twitch muscle fibers, and to use them in an oxidative way, burning, using oxygen and burning fat. And training that requires becoming an endurance animal. And an endurance animal requires time. There's no way around that equation. That's just simply the facts of physiology. And that hasn't changed for eons. <laughs> Grant, is there anything else that... You feel, I mean, we, again, we could talk about this stuff for hours, uh, but is there something else specific that maybe I've forgotten to ask that you'd want to add? Um, only that, I mean, for, I guess for all of those listeners out there that have been training hard for a long time, um, the only other element I would add is just to have patience. The aerobic system is, is like burning a big log on the fire. It sort of smolders for a long period of time, it, and, and it's a bit sluggish. It takes time, and so you just need to bring some patience and just be in the now, enjoy the workouts as they unfold, and in the long run, the benefits will start to add up, but it does take time, so just have that element of patience. Perfect. If someone's interested in either your book or some of the other things that you're doing, where would they find you? Well, they can get me at vitalize.ca. So www.vitalize.ca. There's an icon on my book on the cover that they can order it electronically if they want. If they want a printed copy, I mail out a few of them every now and then. If they want a signed copy, I can mail you out a printed copy if you want that. Uh, or look at some of the programs I have. I also do Skype coaching as well. So I have a client in Sydney right now, Australia, and someone in Vancouver. And so I work with clients at a distance as well. So I do some one-on-one coaching that way. So they can get my book either electronic or hard copy, or they can get some coaching from me or some advice or send me an email, but it's all on my webpage, vitalize.ca. Well, Grant Molyneux, thank you. This has really been helpful. um, And I would encourage everyone listening to uh, visit your website, 
Effortless Exercise is the name of the book. Is it on like Amazon? Uh, it's not on Amazon, but it, it is available electronically through the Total Immersion website. So I've got it over at Terry's website. So you can get it anywhere in the world. You just order an electronic copy. It's a PDF. All right. Well, Grant, thank you. Appreciated this. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast, the voice of indoor cycling. You can find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com and we're in the iTunes Music Store. Search Indoor Cycling and subscribe to our free podcast. Now, if you're like most instructors, you're struggling with finding the time to create the perfect class profile and the music playlist to go with it. If that sounds like you, consider a premium subscription to ICI Pro. We've done all the work for you. Inside ICI Pro, you'll find the largest collection of comprehensive class profiles for teaching conventional classes, classes featuring heart rate, and also power. Contributed by the most diverse collection of master trainers and rock star instructors on the planet. Every profile includes a complete music playlist we guarantee your class will enjoy. Combine ICI Pro with Spotify and you could be ready to teach an awesome class in minutes Visit IndoorCycleInstructor.com forward slash pro and start your no-risk trial subscription today.